I'm Jacob Kruger, and welcome to the Write Your Screenplay podcast. As you know, on this podcast, rather than looking at movies in terms of two thumbs up, two thumbs down, we look at movies and we look at screenplays in terms of what we can learn from them as screenwriters. We look at good movies and we look at bad movies and we look at everything in between. And we try to set aside our judgment, whether that judgment is passion or whether that judgment is total hatred, and instead focus on how we can use these screenplays to better our own writing. Today we're going to be looking at Birdman, or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. And this is a script that, whether you loved it or hate it, pretty much everyone can agree was a pretty revolutionary piece of filmmaking. The thing that made the movie revolutionary was that it appeared to be shot in one continuous shot. Now, of course, this wasn't totally true. The truth was that that there were techniques used to create that feeling. But nevertheless, as an audience member, when you are watching The Birdman, your experience is as if the whole movie were one continuous shot. The last movie that even attempted to do this was a film called Russian Ark, If you've seen Russian Ark, then you know that watching that film is a lot like watching paint dry. It is dead boring. And as miraculous as the technical skill that was required to make an entire movie literally in one shot, once you got beyond that gimmick, there was very little to hold your attention. There's a saying in poetry that form should equal function, that the form your poem takes should reflect the effect that that poem is intended to create in the audience. And writing a screenplay is a lot like writing a poem. In writing a screenplay, every line does matter in the same way that every line matters when you're writing a poem. Every single word not only can affect the experience of reading or watching the movie, but Every single word matters because every single word adds to our budget when it comes time to shoot our movie. And in that way, as screenwriters, we need to be as exacting with our words as a poet. Screenwriting is also like poetry in that we are working within a form, within an existing form, and finding our creativity inside of a form, inside of a structure, just like a poet finds their form inside of a sonnet or a villanelle. And finally, screenwriting is like poetry because screenwriting is a field in which form equals function, in which the ways that we follow the rules or the ways that we break the rules needs to grow organically out of the things that the screenplay is intending to accomplish, the feeling it is intending to create, the story it is intending to tell. And this is the big difference between the approach of Russian Ark and the approach of Birdman. In Russian Ark, the screenwriter begins with a gimmick and then figures out a story that they can tell within that gimmick. Just like uh, for many screenwriters, they begin with a a gimmick of uh, some formulaic structure, something that they read in a book or stole from another movie, and then try to force the story that they're telling into that form. And what I'd like to suggest to you is that whether you're following the rules or breaking them, and as we'll discuss, Birdman does a little bit of both, 
Whether you're following the rules or breaking them, the places that you follow and the places that you break from the rules should in fact grow organically out of the function of your storytelling, out of the intention of your storytelling. In other words, instead of allowing the rules to define you or the rules to define your story, you can allow your story to define the rules it needs to tell itself. That just like a poet, you can allow your story to reveal itself to you. And in the process of revealing itself to you, you can allow your story to teach you the rules you're going to need to bring it to the page and to the screen in the most powerful way possible. Birdman did not begin with some fancy pants director saying, let's figure out a cool gimmick that nobody's ever done before. Birdman began with an observation by Inyaritu. His observation was that life doesn't happen in cuts. That life doesn't feel like cuts. And that he wanted to make a movie that felt more like life. He wanted to make a movie that felt more like one thing flowing into the next, flowing into the next, flowing into the next. He wanted to make a movie that felt cyclical, that felt like it didn't have clear borders, just like our lives and our memories don't have clear borders. The technique, the rule-breaking of Birdman did not originate with an artist's desire to prove that he could do something nobody else has done. It began with an artist's desire to express something true that he perceived about the world. And everything grew out of that. Like many artists, when Inyaritu presented this idea to his collaborative team, the writers who were going to work with him, the cinematographers who were going to work with him, they all basically told him the same thing. They said, Alejandro, that is impossible. You can't do that. But Inyaritu knew that form equals function, that form grows out of function, and that this form was necessary in order to tell the story he wanted to tell. And so what he did, and this is what we can all do as screenwriters when we are trying to do something that breaks the rules, when we are trying to do something that requires breaking the rules, or that requires doing something that feels problematic or wrong, is that he ran right at that terrifying idea. He ran right at that thing that wasn't supposed to work. And he made that thing the centerpiece of the story. And because it grew from a natural observation, rather than feeling like an externally applied idea, it felt effortless. Now, there's a tremendous amount of work that goes into making something feel effortless. This team worked for almost two years on the script for Birdman. And knowing the technical challenges involved, they left nothing for the editing room. They tried to solve every problem of every cut right there on the page, not leaving anything to be figured out later because they knew that they wouldn't have the same freedom that most filmmakers have to move things around and save things in the editing room. And this is something I'd like you to consider as a screenwriter as well, especially if you're an emerging screenwriter, if you're not famous yet, if people don't know you and believe in you yet. 
I'd encourage you to put the same kind of love and thought into your screenplay that Inyaritu and his team put into theirs. When you're an emerging writer, you can't just write professionally. You have to write better than the professionals. And the reason you have to write better than the professionals is that the professionals have existing contacts. They have friends in the industry, people they've worked with before, people who believe in them, just like your teachers or your writing group or your friends believe in you. They have people that they have made money for in the past. And they have people that they've collaborated in the past, people to whom they can say, trust me, this is going to work. As a young screenwriter, you don't have that. As an emerging screenwriter, you don't have that. You don't have the proof that this can work. You don't have the history to back yourself up. And that means you need to write better than the professionals. You can't deliver a script that's pretty good that can get figured out in the editing room or in a rewrite. You've got to present a script that any reader can look at and see on the little movie screen in their head. A script that you don't have to be a brilliant creative reader to visualize. A script that anybody can read and easily imagine, even if they're not an expert. Even if they're just a coverage reader, which is often a way of saying an intern or a college student or an aspiring writer. Even if they're a producer, which is another way of saying a salesperson or a business executive. Even if they are a person who is not an expert in developing screenplays, you need to write your script so that every cut, every moment is so perfectly placed, is so carefully visualized and realized on the page that anyone who reads it will immediately know, yes, I know this can work. I know this can, can work because I saw it and I felt it. And I imagined it and it played and I heard it and it played on that little movie screen in my head as if it were real. I know it will work because I've already seen it happen in my mind. If you look at the work of professional writers, you'll see that often they don't do this. They don't do it because it takes a long time. And they don't do it because they don't need to, because they don't have to prove themselves anymore. Because people already trust them. When you're a professional writer with a long history, you can say, ah, we'll figure it out in the editing room, or ah, the director will figure that out. But when you're a young writer, you need to prove yourself in a different way. And there's a second reason why you want to write better than the professionals, where you want to turn in a script that's like Birdman, where you could shoot it exactly the images that are written down exactly in the order they're shot, cut them together in exactly the way they're imagined, and end up with a movie that does what you need it to do. And that reason is... Although you certainly hope that you're going to end up with a great director, the chances are that you're not. If you're producing your own movie, the chances are you don't have the money to hire a big-time director who's directed 50 movies. You probably have the money to hire a talented young director who's likely to have a great gift but make a lot of mistakes. Or maybe you're directing your own movie. And if you're directing your own movie, then you've got to trust that you're going to have a lot of blind spots and you're going to be making a lot of mistakes. And in the heat of production, a lot of things go wrong. So if you're working on the indie world, you need to know that taking that extra year to get the script perfect is not only going to make it easier for you when it comes to fundraising, when it comes to sending the script to talent and getting them attached, when it comes to getting an investor to plop down that extra little bit of money because they believe in the project. 
It's also going to save you millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands, depending on your budget, when it comes to shooting. Uh, there's a famous story for, about the Coen brothers when shooting Raising Arizona. They have basically storyboarded every single shot before they ever went into production. They'd storyboarded everything exactly the way they wanted it. And Nick Cage came onto the project and he had tons of suggestions. And a lot of them, honestly, were probably pretty good suggestions. And to this day, he's still a little bit annoyed, at least in interviews, that the Coen brothers didn't take any of his suggestions, except for the messed up hair. But the reason they didn't take his suggestions was because they knew that in order to bring in their script on budget, they couldn't be ad-libbing. They had a very small amount of money to work with, and that meant they needed to imagine everything in advance, because they knew one step in the wrong direction and things could very quickly get out of control. When you're a young writer, you don't have the experience of the Coen brothers. You need to take that even more to heart. The more you figure things out, the more on time, under budget, and the more likely your movie is to actually work by the time you get to the editing room. When you're a young writer, you don't have the money to fix it in post. It costs so much less money to fix it on the page. And finally, for those of you who are interested in working in the studio system, if you are interested in selling that big budget movie, doing this work becomes even more important. Working with the precision of a poet becomes even more important. Because the studio is going to screw up your movie if they can. And they're going to blame you for it. And the more you give them a chance to imagine things themselves, to come up with their own image instead of using yours the more likely it is that your movie is not going to work. When you work on a big studio movie, there are going to be dozens of people shouting notes at you, asking for changes. There are going to be huge stars and huge directors involved coming with their own opinions. And they are all going to have ideas about how to fix the things that don't work. And in that cognitive dissonance comes a mess that is likely to sidetrack your project, likely to keep it from production, or if it does get produced, likely to change it into something that you barely recognize. The more of these problems that you solve on your own, on the page when it's cheap, rather than in, on, in production when it's expensive, the more of these problems you solve on your own, the more likely it is your movie's going to get made. And the more likely it is that your movie, when made, is going to reflect what you wrote. So I want to encourage you to think about your writing like a poet. I want to encourage you to think about the, the virtue of each line, the importance of each line. The, I want you to think about if you're using cuts, unlike uh, Birdman, if you're using cuts, I want you to think of the value of each cut, the storytelling of each cut. I want you to play the action that you've written down on the page and the little movie screen in your mind. And I want you to see, is it hard for you to visualize it or is it easy? And when you visualize it, are you visualizing it in a specific, cool way that the director could shoot? Or are you visualizing it in a boring or general way that's going to take another artist of your level of talent and capability in order to shape? I want you to read it out loud to yourself and ask yourself, is every line of dialogue worthy of a poem? Is every action worthy of speaking? Are there places where I find myself skipping over lines that I've written or are there pages that I come to where I don't want to read that whole dense page? I want you to think about your script like a poem.
And I want you to shape that poem until every line does matter, until every cut does matter. And when it comes to the structure of your movie, I want you to allow form to be function. Rather than imposing the rules you've learned in books, in classes, in seminars, in lectures, from your writing group, from more experienced writers, rather than imposing those rules, or rather than rejecting those rules, rather than going, well, I'm not going to tell this cliche story. I'm going to, maybe I'm telling a romantic comedy, but I'm not going to tell a story of boy meets girl, boy loses girl, boy gets girl back. Rather than thinking in relation to or reaction to rules, I want you to think about the movie you want to tell. The reason that Birdman feels effortless is because it grows out of something real. It grows out of the feeling that life doesn't have cuts. And it grows out of the feeling that anybody who has worked in production, anybody who's worked in theater, has already experienced. That feeling of doing the same thing again and again and again. That feeling of one day floating into the next as you work hundreds of hours towards something that matters to you, wondering if it matters to anybody else. Those feelings of ego and self-doubt that are present in every single person on every single production. If you have the experience of working in production in theater and film, you already know what this feels like. And you know that rather than imposing some kind of gimmick or idea, all that Inuritu did was conjure that exact feeling with his structure. In doing so, Inyaritu broke almost every rule of screenwriting. And at the same time, he also followed almost every rule of screenwriting. Yes, it is true that screenwriting is supposed to be about the cuts, that the cut is supposed to be our most powerful tool. And here's a movie with no cuts. Yes, it is true that screenplays are not supposed to have long, 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 long scenes that flow into one another. And they're not supposed to have plays within plays. In fact, they're not supposed to have unity of location and space like this piece does. In fact, many people would have looked at this script and said, hey, maybe Alejandro, maybe it's a play. But it's not a play. It's a movie. A movie that conjures the feeling of making a play. A movie that conjures the feeling of trying to do something great and doubting whether we have the ability to do it. And at the same time, in order to get away with breaking rule after rule after rule after rule. Inyaritu and his team of writers go back to one of the most basic and simple rules that we see in almost every screenplay. And that basic and simple rule that we see in almost every screenplay is make sure your character wants something, make sure they want it really badly, make sure they would do pretty much anything to get it, and then make it as hard as possible to get. And if you think about that in Birdman, you'll realize that despite all the places that it breaks the rules, Birdman follows that rule to a T. The main character, played by Michael Keaton, wants only one thing. He wants to make a great play. And he has mixed reasons for it. A big part of it is ego. And a big part of it is trying to undo the mistakes he feels he's made the way that he felt that he left that young boy who got that, Ray, that little note from Raymond Carver, that young actor that he left behind, an attempt to regain his true voice after feeling like he spent his lifetime selling out. All he wants to do is create the play and think about all the obstacles that face him. In the very first scene, he's got a terrible actor 
that he's cast across from. He's got financial problems. He's got a possible lawsuit when the light falls on that actor's head. And then even his salvation turns out to be a double-edged sword because the Ed Norton character, while a brilliant, brilliant actor, is also playing mind games of his own. He's got a daughter with whom he has very little relationship with a long history of drug problems telling him that he doesn't matter, that nothing that he's doing matters, that nobody cares. He's got a theater critic who is promising him that she's going to destroy his play even though she's never even seen it. And on top of all of this, he's got an inner demon that he does not know how to banish. And this is the last concept that I want to leave you with, this concept of externalizing the internal. The Michael Keaton character in Birdman is haunted. His biggest enemy is internal. But in movies, internal obstacles are very hard to see. And so what Inyaritu does is follow a simple, simple rule. Another rule that we've seen a million times, just like make sure your character wants something and make sure they're going for it and make sure there's an obstacle in their path. And that simple rule is if you've got something internal, find a way to externalize it. And if you've seen Birdman, you already know what I'm talking about. The way that the character of the Birdman, the way that this invisible thing called the ego, this invisible self-destructive thing called the ego is externalized, taken outside of the main character, and turned into a character that he can interact with. The character of the Birdman that encapsulates both all his, his self-doubt, all of the, the ways that he tears himself down as an artist, all the ways that he tries to sell out, at the same time that it captures all of his desire just to be famous again, just to stop trying so hard to do something with meaning, something that matters. And just to sell out and get rich and be the object of adoration that he used to be. You can see how these internal feelings are taken outside of him. And how, you can see how these are internal feelings that we all have as writers. All of us have, as writers have these two different sides of ourselves. The part of us that wants to become the artist. The part of us that wants to do something that matters and something real. And that egoistic part of us that wants to get to the finish line, sell out, make a lot of money, get famous, change our lives, have it easy. The part of us that's trying to do something so, so hard, simply getting our own personal truth onto the stage or onto the screen, not even knowing if it's good or bad. And the part of us that wants to be a success. And if you've seen The Birdman, you know the inner turmoil that you, that can cause if you've been a writer, you know the inner turmoil that that can cause. Now, the character in Birdman never finds a way to reconcile that part of himself that's an artist and that part of himself that wants to succeed. When Even when he does succeed, totally in spite of himself, his ego still can't ever get enough. His ego still can't even recognize the success. But I want to suggest to you as a writer that maybe there is room for both. That as screenwriters, we do, in fact, need to strike that balance between the part of us that wants to say something authentic and the part of us that needs to succeed. That we do, in fact, need to strike that balance between writing the movie that's in our hearts 
and shaping it into a form that other people can understand, and that both our form and our function can work together to accomplish that goal, to tell a true story in a true way, in a way that other people can connect to, and in a way that can get people in seats to see the story that you're trying to tell. This means taking a three-pronged approach to your writing. Knowing when you need to focus exclusively on the art of getting that powerful raw material in your heart onto the page. Knowing when to fuse that art with the craft, the tools, the structure, and sometimes even the rules you need in order to translate that raw material into something that the audience can understand. And finally, knowing when to focus on the technical skills, the technical craft it takes to get that story on the page in its perfect poetic form. For those of you who have studied with me at the studio, you know that we try to build around that three-pronged approach. With our meditative writing class, focusing exclusively on developing your voice as an artist, our Write Your Screenplay workshop, focusing on fusing art and craft in order to shape that material and build the rules you need for your screenplay. And finally, with our craft intensive, where you build the technical skills you need to get your writing onto the page in its most poetic form. And what's important to understand for all writers is that all writing does go through these multiple phases. That the way we need to build a poem is not by starting with the form and forcing the poem in. But it's starting with that raw essence and then finding the perfect poem to deliver your story. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like more information on our online and New York City classes, our six-month one-on-one mentorship programs, or our international retreats, please check out our website, www.writeyourscreenplay.com. Mm-hmm.